Welcome to North Church. We are so excited that you're here with us today on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. In just a minute, the band is going to come out and lead us in a few songs of worship, followed by one of our North Church Bible teachers who will share a message that will inspire and maybe even challenge us a little bit to go deeper into our walk with the Lord. All in all, you can expect our service to last about one hour in length. Right now, if you have questions about what's going on here at the church, visit us online at northchurch.net. You can scroll to the bottom of the page, click on the e-bulletin tab, and there you'll find out everything that's happening here in our church. After service, if you still have questions, visit our information center out in the lobby. There you'll find volunteers that would be happy to answer any of your questions. And don't forget to visit our coffee bar out in the lobby. There you'll find a team of talented baristas who would be happy to make any of your coffee favorites. Also there are donuts and pastries, and the whole thing is supported by your donation. Part of the mission here in North Church is to connect people into healthy and growing relationships. We want you to feel connected and feel that you belonged. So if it's your first time, or maybe you've been here for a while and you want to take that step to get connected, I want to invite you to a time called First Connect. First Connect is a time after service where you get to meet with one of our pastors on staff, learn a little bit more about the church, and how you can best get connected. Next week, June 4th, marks the beginning of June Move Up Month. This means that if you have a kid in kids ministry, they may be moving up to the next classroom. So next week when you check in your kids, there'll be volunteers to direct you and answer any of the questions that you might have. We are so excited for this next season and the next step in your kid's life. The long-awaited summer is almost here, and we are so excited for our vacations and the sun. We also have some fun things happening here at North Church. We have camps and river baptisms coming up, so be thinking about how you can stay connected this summer even while you're enjoying the Pacific Northwest. Those are all the announcements that I have for you today. If after service you are in need of prayer, go ahead and step forward and a member of our prayer team would love to agree with you in prayer. Also, don't forget to check in to North Church on Facebook. Every three check-ins provides an item for a welcome basket for refugee families coming into Spokane. We're gonna go ahead and sing now, so would you please stand?
Welcome to North Church. Glad that you are here with us on this wonderful Memorial Weekend. The sun is out. Hopefully you've been barbecuing some great food. Hey, but before we get going, we just want to thank uh, anyone in here who might uh, have a friend or a family member that has uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom as Americans. We want to express our deepest gratitude and condolences and just say uh, uh, that our thoughts and prayers are with you today if you do have a friend or family member that uh, uh, has fallen in battle. So uh, we thank you for that. Um, our heart here is that we would connect uh, into meaningful and growing relationships. So if you're new here or maybe you've been coming here for a little bit and you just have not been connected yet, I would love to meet you uh, directly after the service underneath the monitor right here for our first connect. But why don't you go ahead right now and connect with those around you. Welcome them this morning to church. Hey, just want to welcome you again uh, to North Church this morning. Hey, we have an announcement for all the parents in the room. So starting next Sunday is our Move Up Month. So if you have a child from infant all the way up through 12th grade, um, it's possible that your kid would be moving to a new classroom. So I have this written down. want to make sure I get it right so I don't tell, you know, you third graders that you're coming to high school group with me all of a sudden, because that wouldn't work out right. Um, okay, so here we go. If you have a walker, uh, a walker that is turning uh, three, uh, they would probably be moving up. If you have a third grader going into fourth grade, they'd be moving up. I skipped one. If you have a five-year-old going into kindergarten, they'd be moving up. And then this one's a little bit of a twist here. So if you have a fifth or a sixth grader, a current fifth or sixth grader, uh, they will be moving to our Wednesday night program with me. Yay. So that means if you have a child that's entering sixth grade or you have a child entering seventh grade, they will be coming to our Wednesday night program. Um, so that starts next Sunday, June 4th, as our move up month. So. It could be, uh, might not have got that, all the details, you know, whatever. Uh, go to your classroom teacher next week and just say, hey, is this the, the spot for my kid? And they would easily, gladly take your kid to the right spot. And so me and my wife, our son Grant, he's five years old, and he's going into kindergarten next year. And uh, it's hard. We were downstairs, and we were, like, in his new classroom, and, and my wife, she starts getting a little teary-eyed, like, I can't believe he's growing up. And it can be difficult. And our son Grant, you know, he's a little bit nervous about it as well. He loves his teacher, Lindsay, and he loves all the volunteers in there. And he's kind of sad moving up. And so it takes a little bit of, uh, of uh, faith on our behalf as parents 
to know that, yeah, th these are new, new seasons, uh, changing times in our kids' life, but how important it is that we walk through these times, you know, all the way down to, you know, when they're uh, little babies, all the way up until, you know, they graduate from college and beyond, that we walk with our kids and, and help them understand and see uh, what God is doing in their life. And, and it's, it's a... It's an amazing thing to see children walk into new areas where they're going to learn new things and meet new people, and God's going to do new things in their life. And so I'm actually kind of excited now that Grant's moving up into uh, the, his new program because God wants to do more stuff in his life, and he gets to walk into a new area of his spiritual growth. And so as parents, we get the opportunity to walk these milestones with our kids, holding their hands and, and helping them see uh, how amazing it is and what God is going to do. So starting next week, let's do that for our kids. Let's, let's uh, see the, the amazing thing that God wants to do all throughout their life. Um, but they get to walk into a new classroom, potentially, that's going to be pretty fun. So if you have any questions, please ask our children's pastor, Ryan. Uh, he'll be around. You can also ask me or any of our other pastors and love to uh, help guide and direct and make the right choice for you. So um, why don't you go ahead and stand, and we're going to continue to sing this morning. Let me pray for us, okay? God, we just thank you this morning. God, thank you for who you are and that you love us. God, we want to uh, fix our attention on you right now. God, we love you for who you are, and we want to uh, praise you this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Lift up your voices and lift up your praise. Join with the heavens declaring the wonders of his faithfulness forever. Sing of the victory and hope of the world. The Savior has risen, the Spirit has come to bring us into love.
tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is Why don't you go ahead and take a seat? 
So in our youth ministry, we've been doing these uh, reading plans and these journals called More Journals. And uh, last week was reading Acts chapter 2, which uh, for us who might know the story as Christians, we call that the day of Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 2. But, you know, as I was thinking about it and reading it, this was a time where Jesus, he had ascended into heaven and he had told the disciples, hey, I'm leaving you, but someone's going to come in my place who was the Holy Spirit. But there was this period of time where the disciples, uh, they're confused. They're wondering, like, why did Jesus leave us? And they're waiting for uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And, and if you can only imagine how uh, difficult of time that would be, the, the God of the universe just left you here alone. And so they're waiting and, and they're wondering and there's probably confusion. But then there's this moment in Acts chapter 2 where they're up in this upper room and they're praying and they're asking God and, and then God, he fulfills his promise. And he sends the Holy Spirit. And there's just this amazing time that it says it was like a, a rushing wind. But as I was reading that, I was just thinking how the, the, the times that I wait in my life, that we're all in, in periods uh, of time, there's always something that we're waiting for. And for many of us, it might be kind of difficult that there's, there's something that's happening in our life, there's a circumstance that's happening in our life, that it might be kind of difficult. And you're waiting for, well, what's the purpose? What's the outcome here? And so what I wrote down as I was reading Acts chapter 2 here in my more journal, I wrote down that I would always seek after something more than my circumstances while I'm waiting. And it can be easy that while we're waiting and we're wondering and we're confused and wondering why God plans something a certain way and his timing is a certain way, whatever it may be, it can be easy to just get so locked into those circumstances and what God was showing me is that I need to lift my head above. And I need to seek after something more than just those circumstances. That I want to seek after God in the midst of my waiting. And that in those times, for me, as I look back, I see that that's where God really shows. That's where He brings comfort and peace. And I think He might want to say the same this morning, that can we lift our head above and seek after something more than the circumstances of maybe what we've been waiting and the difficulties because God wants to show you his love and his mercy and that we might not understand his timing of something but we can understand his grace and his mercy and his love. And so in this moment, here we are as a group of people together in a room, much like these disciples who were waiting, that we get an opportunity to to come together and to lift our heart up to God And in the midst of waiting, in the midst of of maybe good times or bad times, wondering why God did something or, or it's amazing that God did something, whatever it is, that we get to come together and we get to pray and we get to seek after, seek after Him. So let's do that in this next moment here. Let's seek after God. Give Him your heart, the things that are on your mind. Let's do that together.
God, we lift these concerns to you. We're grateful for the gift of your son and the gift of your grace in your life, in our life. Grateful, God, that you meet with us. So God, take these concerns of our hearts as we offer them to you. Pray that you would be active there, that you would uh, be bringing your goodwill and your good pleasure to be. We give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I am, uh, the sun's shining. It's a Memorial Day weekend. I've got my I Love Sunshine shirt on. I'm going to just kind of make that a thing for the summer because winter was way too long. So I think we should just get really obnoxious about loving the sunshine now that it's here. Anybody with me on that one? You bet, for sure. Hey, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings now. So if you've uh, got a gift that you've prepared or brought with you, you can make that ready. I want to, as always, say thanks to so many of you who are such... uh, generous, faithful, ongoing contributors and givers who are we're part of a church who where great things are happening, where people are coming to faith, where uh, we're reaching out into the community and addressing some of the needs that we see there. And uh, in our giving, we're just a part of that as well. Maybe you're one of the ones who are watching online. You can give uh, online or through text to give or whatever. But as God puts it on your heart, let's uh, do everything that God says. And that includes uh, giving this morning. So ushers, go ahead and come on forward. Uh, and as they do, I'll take the opportunity just to uh, refresh for us maybe where we have been and where we are in this series that we're calling uh, Hidden Treasures. And what we're really talking about, oh, and we have been over the last three weeks, this will be the fourth week, we're talking about our identity, like who we really are at the core of everything. We've kind of, we're trying to battle against the sense that who I really am at the deepest place is somehow tied to my accomplishments or my skills, or my abilities, or my appearance, or my income, or any of those sorts of things. And we're coming to grips with a sense that what God says about us and about our identity is a really stable thing. He says, you are who you are primarily because I love you. That is, before you're anything else, you are someone that I love uh, completely, wholeheartedly, energetically, unreservedly unconditionally. And, and that makes us who we are. And so that gives us kind of a stable sense of who we are, a stable identity, a stable place from which to operate. And um, he de- it's described this way in the book of Jeremiah. I love this passage. This is, this is Jeremiah kind of describing how God would speak to his people uh, about his inclination toward them. He says this. He says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, And with an unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. The love that I have for you, says the Lord, the love that is the very foundation of your identity is is something that doesn't change. It doesn't falter. It's unending. Um, In the message, which kind of tends to amplify and extend thoughts and kind of present them a little more creatively, I love the impact uh, of this same passage in that translation where it says that God told them I've never quit loving you, and I never will. Expect love, and love, and then more love. That's what we expect from God. And we come to understand that as we um, encounter that love, and we embrace that love, and we receive the love of God into our lives, we understand that that, there's a transformative quality to that, right? That when we come into contact with that kind of love, we become different people. And that over time, we will become more and more and more like the God who is loving us. And that's kind of the goal along the way. But I think what I want to at least address here this morning is that I think we have sometimes a wrong picture in our mind about how that happens. Sometimes it gets presented to us, or sometimes we just uh, come to the conclusion ourselves that, well, I've encountered God's love, I've received Christ as my Savior, and now without any effort or intervention from me at all, all of those things are going to happen. That, that I'm going to gradually become more Christ-like, more godly in attitude, more godly in action, right? And all of these things, they're just going to kind of happen to me inevitably because I encountered God's love one time. And that's the way it's kind of like, you know when they do the, like the big world record domino thing? They put the, a gazillion dominoes out all over the gymnasium floor and put the cameras up above, and one guy at the very end kind of tips over the first domino, right? And then they start falling all around in different shapes and patterns, and they pictures of flowers and words and messages, and it's all very wonderful, and it's all very inevitable. 
from the moment that first domino falls, it's just physics and gravity, and the end result is going to be produced without any more intervention from anybody, right? And wouldn't it be great if our moral character development worked that way? All I got to do is be in the presence of God one time. That's like the domino. Boom. And then nothing else has to happen. With the inevitability of physics and gravity, my life is just going to grow into becoming more godly, more pleasant, and more according to his purposes, right? Like, all I got to do is encounter God's love one time. There's the tip of the domino. And before I know it, without doing anything, everything's getting better. I'm nicer. I'm healthier. My wife's got a better attitude. My daughter stopped dating the deadbeat. It's just all coming together, and I didn't have to do anything. But that's not how it works. Actually, the way it works is probably a little more, um, it's a little more the way it works when you go on a, on a long-term camping trip. When I was a young person, my family, we lived in California. We did our summer vacations backpacking for two or three weeks at a time uh, in the eastern Sierra Nevada mountains, and it was just beautiful. But one of the things that you learn is you, you, know, you park at the trailhead in a parking lot with a gazillion other people, and you, you head down the trail from the trailhead, and inevitably there's one branch of the trail that heads kind of down to just kind of a day hike location where there's a lake and a lot of people fishing and leaving trash and being obnoxious. Or you come to this fork in the road, this choice that you make where you go, I can either go down there or I can take the branch to the right. And you know what the branch to the right is. The branch to the right opens up possibilities that fundamentally do not exist for you if you go down and to the left. When you turn right, you go, I'm going up that hillside, across that peak, over that pass, and I'm going to get down into a valley full of lakes and rivers and fishing and very few people, and it's going to be wonderful. And all of those are possibilities that exist the moment that you make that turn, right? They don't exist over here. So if we never encounter God's love, if, if we never receive God's love, if we never submit to his lordship, there are some possibilities of what God has for us that are, that are just not going to take place. When we do receive his love, when we do encounter it, when we become followers of Jesus and we make that turn, now there's a whole new range of beautiful, wonderful, fascinating possibilities. But you still got to walk up the hill. You still got to do the work to get you and yourself and your pack and your tent and everything else over the pass so that those possibilities are the things that you encounter. And it's that way in our, in our character growth, in our growth in godliness and Christ-likeness, right? There's this moment where we encounter God's love, and that makes some things in our moral growth really possible. But God still asks us to partner with him along the way. God's not just going to do character to you. He's going to ask you to work with him in developing your character that way. So when we do encounter God's love, I want to talk about some of the things that become possible that are not possible without God's love, okay? But understand that, that we're going to have to contribute some effort towards these things as well. And the first thing is, is this, that, that God's love actually makes it possible for us to love other people well. Now, you may think, I don't necessarily need the love of God to love other people. I can do a, a decent job of that on my own. And that may be true with the people who are easy to love. <laughs> but if you step outside that circle, and frequently that's kind of a small circle, it gets a little tougher, right? It gets a little bit more difficult. Jesus ran across a guy uh, who was really difficult to love. He was the kind of person that um, most of us would have had a very difficult time loving. It's, an old, it's the old Sunday school story. If you were a kid in Sunday school, you probably got this one several times, but in case you missed it, uh, it's in Luke chapter 19 where it says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, just going on by, and there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So who likes the tax collector to begin with, right? Nobody. Nobody likes the tax collector, but this was even worse than that. Because, I mean, the Israelites, uh, there were some things that they had to do just as citizens of Israel, right? They paid a temple tax to go to the temple. They did their, their uh, annual tithes of, our, of their agriculture to help support the synagogue system and the teachers and the Levites and the priests and all that. There, there, was, there were things that they contributed to the system that was Israel. 
But in addition to being their own entity, they were also a conquered people. The Romans had come in and had, had conquered Israel. They, they owned them. And so what the Romans did was, in addition to whatever costs that you incurred by being an Israelite, you got to incur some more costs just to pay for those miserable Romans who conquered you. Like, how fun would that be? Take whatever tax you're paying now, and then imagine that Russia and North Korea and ISIS all got together and conquered the United States. Assume for a moment that those heroes that we celebrate on Memorial Day, what if they hadn't existed? There was no defense to be had, and America becomes this conquered place, right? That maybe, maybe for the lack of people who are willing to step up and sacrifice and give and make the ultimate sacrifice to protect the freedoms we have. If they weren't there and that group of people came in and conquered us, and then they said this, hey, on the 14th of April, you can pay your tax to Uncle Sam. But on the 16th of April, you're going to pay your tax to us. That'd be horrible, right? That would be miserable. There would, there would be some feelings that got cultivated there. as like, that makes me angry. One more layer. The way they collected the taxes, the internet was just not quite ready yet, so they didn't do it that way. They actually hired one of the local people to be the chief tax collector, and it was his job. He, he was maybe a family member, maybe a neighbor, maybe someone on your son's soccer team. They hired a local person to run around and take the money that they had to go give to the conquerors who were oppressing them. Can you imagine how popular that guy is? He derives his living by serving the needs of these people who came in and conquered your country and require you to pay even more tax. You know the kind of people that take that job? They're the kind of people who don't like people. They're the kind of people who said, nobody in this town likes me already. Everyone already disapproves of me. I'm difficult to get along with. I don't follow the same rules as everybody else. I'm not, very per I'm not particularly kind or caring. And so I'm already on the outskirts. I've got nothing to lose here. I'm already hated. I may as well get a little something for the effort and take this job as a tax collector. That, that was Zacchaeus. That's the kind of person that got that job. And that's the kind of people that when, when the people looked around, they said, can't stand that guy for everything that he's doing. He's a traitor. So Jesus is coming through Nazareth, and he looks up, and he sees Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus, I need to hang out with you. Let's go back to your place uh, and spend the day. And the people are scandalized because this is the worst person in the world, and this is Jesus is supposed to be some religious leader. Shouldn't he know better than that? right? Well, the story plays out, and Zacchaeus has this moment of, of Jesus reaching out to him of all people, this man who's been scorned, the man who's been the butt of jokes, the man who's been ridiculed and left on the periphery. And Jesus reaches out to him and expresses love and care and says, I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. You matter to me. Let's, let's spend some time together. And that's all it took. Here's Zacchaeus' next response. Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated uh, anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Okay, so the, like, that was, that was kind of written into the Old Testament law that if you got caught cheating somebody or stealing from them, you had to pay them back plus multiple times over. So that was just kind of the rule. That, that was going to have to, that's him going, I've cheated and I got caught and, and I want to make it right. That's half of the equation. But there's this other half of the equation that had nothing to do with anything that he had to do. There was no rule on the books for now giving half of his stuff to the poor. And the, and the only difference between, bless you, Wow, that's impressive. I better talk over here. <laughs> the only difference between Zacchaeus, the guy that was willing to stab his neighbors in the back, cheat on their taxes, collect more from them than was due, and then hand a bunch of money over to the oppressive conquerors, the only difference between that guy and the, and the Zacchaeus that gives half of his money to the poor is the fact that he's had this encounter with Jesus who loved him. That, that's what an encounter with the, with the love of God will do. 
And there's a tough decision that comes along with it, right? So we, like, I'm thinking for us, we come together on a, on a Sunday morning, right? And we experience God's love. We sing songs and worship. We pray together. We enjoy one another's company. There's a sense of connecting with God that happens when we're here. But then there are, we leave here and there are these people in our life. Some of you have people in your life who are very easy to love. Maybe they're sitting right next to you. Some of you have people in your life that are really difficult to love. They may be sitting next to you as well. Let's not get into that. (laughs) But when we come together and when we encounter God's love, there's a decision for us on the other side of that about, hey, are we going to respond to the way that God's loved us in a like manner? Are we going to allow God's loving us to transform us to where now we're going to love others the same way? It happened with Zacchaeus. He was apparently the worst of the worst, but he was transformed by God's love, and all of a sudden he's just given his stuff away to those who are in need. How about you? Are are you willing to be transformed by God's love in the same way? That may involve making a hard decision to give something that's of great value to you to someone else who's in need. It, It may not be financial at all. It may be, man, God has loved me so much, and in response to that, I need to go seek that person out and apologize to them for the way that I treated them, the way that I spoke to them. Maybe I need to seek forgiveness. Maybe I need to repent, whatever it may be. But the love of God is not just something that we experience and, and then have no, nothing to do with. We experience God's love, and now we've got a difficult decision to make. And so I want to ask you specifically in the area of loving other people well, the way that God loves them and the way that God has loved you, having experienced that, what will you do What person in your life needs to be loved that way, unconditionally, unreservedly, exorbitantly, enthusiastically? Who's that person in your life? They might not be easy to love. You've got a decision to make. Will you respond to God's love in your life in a way that gives him honor and allows someone else to encounter that as well? God's love makes that possible. Not only that, another thing that God's love makes possible is this. It empowers us to take risks. Now, some people are just like daredevils and danger lovers. They just, right, I mean, they just want to go do X Games things and injure their bodies and go crazy. I'm not so much talking about that. I'm probably talking maybe more to the rest of us who feel like, gosh, there's there's this dream that God's put in my heart, but I'm kind of afraid to get started because I don't know that it'll succeed. There's this ministry I've been thinking about doing, but I'm not sure it'll be a success. There's this team I want to join. There's this community I want to serve. There's this thing I feel like I I know that God's nudging me that way, but if I step out and if it doesn't go well and if I fail, I'm just going to look like an idiot. And, And the people who are out there seeing me do this will think less of me if I fail when I take this risk. You know, that's the number one thing that keeps people from taking risks, even great risks, even uh, appropriate risks, is the fear of what it looks like when they fail. You know what that's rooted in? It's rooted in the sense that if I fail, that's going to affect who I am. People will see me differently. They won't love me the same way because my performance failed, and I'm unwilling to chance that, so I'm not going to go do it. I'll just play it safe and go with the status quo. But the thing that risk takers, healthy risk takers have in common is the sense that they know who they are. And whether this risk plays out well or whether this risk is a train wreck, they know who they are and they'll be able to settle back, content in their identity, knowing that there are people there who will love them and support them and stand with them even if things don't go well. Our identity is found in the love of God and the love that he has for us, right? Once we believe that, once we really believe that there's nothing that we can do positively to impress God and make him love us more, and there's nothing that we can, we can't fail so badly that God will love us less, that the given in our existence is that God loves us without condition and without exception. When that's true, the risk, the, the, the threat of stepping out and taking a risk it just goes away because at the end of the day, succeed or fail, God's going to love me and I'm going to have a home there for myself and for my identity and for my soul. See, if we're not convinced God, if we're not convinced that God loves us, we've, we will step forward and when we fail, we will feel like a failure. 
But when we know that God does love us, we know that we can step out and fail. And all I did was fail, but I'm not a failure. I'm someone that God loves deeply. And so then I can open my heart and my mind to the kinds of ideas and thoughts and the kinds of activities and things that God might be asking me to do. The opportunities and the possibilities are out there to step into something that's big and audacious and kind of weigh in over my head, but I want to do it for the glory of God, and I can do that without fear of failure, because even if I do fail, God loves me, and it's going to be okay. There's this encounter with the love of God, and then there's this hard decision. Am I going to take that step? Let me ask you about what that step might be for you. Most of us have something in there that we're thinking about doing, and even as I'm looking around the room, I'm seeing some faces of people, and I know your story because you've let me in on that, and I, and I know right where you are at this, at this spot where you said, I'm going to try something. I'm going to step into this thing. I'm going to live into this calling that God has in my life. I'm going to do this, and it's big, and it's bold, and it's maybe even a little bit beyond you, but you're taking a risk, and I honor that. How about you? Where are you in that story? Where's that step of risk that you know is the right one to take? It might be huge. I'm going to quit my job and start a, a new business. It might be small. I think it's time to get in a life group. It could be anywhere in between. What is that thing that God has been speaking to your heart, that next step, that one sense of where God's leading, directing you, that you just can't seem to get over the hurdle to actually go do. Don't be ruled by your fear. Be settled by the, God's love for you, knowing that even if, it's, even if it's not a step that results in massive success, God loves you, God cares for you, and he'll walk you towards his plan for your life regardless. God's love makes it possible for us to love others, and God's love makes it possible for us, us to take risks without becoming uh, inappropriately vulnerable. And then thirdly and finally, God's love, it actually empowers us to endure hardship. And that's an interesting one, right? When I talk hardship, I just mean the things in life that are hard. It can come in the form of a medical diagnosis. It can come in the form of the end of a relationship, um, a score on a final exam that drops you down below the GPA that qualifies for the scholarship. I mean, there are things in life that become very difficult and very significant and very painful. And the interesting thing is those things all feel like God has abandoned me. If God were here and if God did love me, he certainly would never let this happen. And I know that's a feeling we've all shared at one point or, the, or another in different circumstances. And the Apostle Paul writes something to us in the book of Romans, which is really helpful to understand. And it helps us to realize that hardships, sufferings, difficulties, and disappointments, those aren't actually evidences of God abandoning us and being far from us. They're actually like the road sign that says God is at work in this life doing something. Here's what Paul wrote to the Romans. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I know he said some other stuff too. <laughs> Let's see if I can't dig it up here. Uh, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And then listen to this. Not only that, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And then it all comes back around to the love of God and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In those moments when you feel perhaps most abandoned by God because things are difficult, if you can, if you can learn the lesson of saying those are indications, not that, not that this isn't happening in spite of God's love for me, this is happening because of God's love for me, because God loves me. He will walk me through the disappointment, the pain, the suffering, the hardship, and he will use that to produce perseverance and character, and hope. And along the way, he will pour out his love into you through his Holy Spirit. That's what he will do. 
I was meeting with someone this last week in my office, and they were sharing their story with me, and they're going through a season that's difficult. It's hard. There's a lot of downsides to their experience right now. And uh, we were kind of walking through all of those, and I asked this person, how can I, how can I pray for you, right? Thinking that the answer is pretty obvious, like, make it stop, pray that. He said, please pray that in this season, I'll learn everything God wants me to learn from these experiences. Please pray that I don't miss what God is doing in my life and please pray that what all of these things are happening, pray that they produce in my life exactly what God wants. That is a great way to pray. I was, I was humbled to, to be sitting and talking and praying with someone who at the center, central core of their identity had a fixed conviction that God loves me. And from scripture had formed the conviction that this God who loves me unconditionally is allowing these things for a purpose that pleases him. And so he embraced it and said, I don't even necessarily, I, I'm not asking God to stop it. I'm asking God to make sure that I lay hold of the lessons. There's some power there. There is some power for living and persevering in there, to be sure. You know, the Israelites, their experience was they came, they'd been slaves in Egypt, right? And God delivered them through the Red Sea. And then they went out to the desert waiting to go into the promised land, but they had a few kinks to work out in their life. They didn't really trust God entirely. And so, like, he, he gave them a chance to go in, and they said, no, we don't want to go in. And so what did they do? That's a lap around the desert. We're going to try and learn this lesson again next time. There's a lap around the desert. They came back, failed the next test, right? I don't want to spend my life doing laps in the desert because I'm not learning the things God's asking me to learn during the difficult times. I guess I'm speaking to all of us because all of us have, if not our whole life, at least components of our life that are hard right now, that are difficult, that are painful, and maybe we're just at that stage of life, I'm not where I thought I was going to be by now, and it's hard. And can I suggest to you that having come to a firm and fixed conviction that God loves you, that that is in fact at the heart of your identity, Having come to that conclusion, would you be willing to step in and say, God, this is hard. Would you, would you show me? Would you reveal to me? Help me understand what it is you're developing in me so that I can embrace that, so that I can learn the lesson, and so that I don't have to take another lap around my life to try and learn the same lesson another time later on. There is something powerful about life in relationship with the God who loves us unconditionally. And it allows us to love others better. It frees us up to take risks that we might be unwilling to take for God uh, in other times. And certainly it gives us the strength and the grace we need under pressure and under difficulty to persevere, to develop character, and to develop hope as well. And so that's our calling as individuals and as a church, to step forward into a future that's loving people, taking bold risks for God, and graciously enduring Whatever trials exist, because God is making of us something he would not make any other way. Let me pray for you, and, uh, and we'll finish off this morning. Lord, there's nothing better than your love, and nothing that impacts us as powerfully as your love. And God, we as a church and as a people, we just don't want to miss the impact of that. So Lord, would you, would you help us be done with whatever seasons we've had of just being kind of the recipients of your love, those who are loved and enjoy it. And God, would you take us to the next level? That level where having encountered your love, now we're willing to make hard decisions about how we can best love people the way that you would. And how we can step into obediences and in doing the things that you're calling us to do. And how we can joyfully serve you even when things aren't coming out the way that we anticipated. God, the, these are the people that we want to be. And it's only by your love that you'll turn us into those people. So God, we embrace that process and that journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thanks Scott. That was a great message. I should, I should probably steal some of this stuff for Wednesday night. Good. <laughs> Now, I want to live like that, don't you? 
Yeah, I want to live in a manner where I, I take risks in life um, and then I endure through the difficulty, seeing where God is at work. And, you know, as we close this series out uh, on our identity and as we move into a new series next week called The Good Life, looking at the Ten Commandments, you know, uh, can I just ask you that this week, that you would stay, step out in, in some type of risk. And maybe th that's uh, spiritually, or maybe that's r relationally with another person. Um, and maybe that risk would even be inviting someone to come to church with you next week as we start that new series, The Good Life. So have a wonderful Memorial Weekend. Uh, spend some good quality time with your family and with your friends. And if you are new here, again, I would love to meet you at our First Connect right over here. And if you would like some prayer, there'll be some people over here that would love to pray with you. Um, otherwise, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next Sunday.